I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined. As always, by my co-host, writerofmavs.com, who has seen the Mavericks' new jerseys. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Yeah, so these new jerseys, they come out uh, this week. You'll you'll see like official pictures of them uh, probably late Thursday night uh, on the 8th, I think it's the 8th. And then uh, Friday is like the uh, big official, I don't know, unveiling during the day and like all that stuff. But yeah, they're, I mean... They're cool. <laughs> they're, I mean, uh, I, I, have, I have seen a version of them. I've not seen them in person, obviously, but um, they look like they're underwater. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, they're, it's it's there. I mean, I personally like last year's better. I was one of the few people I feel like that liked the jerseys last year. <laughs> I mean, um, we've seen we've seen like little teasers from the Mavericks. If you've gone to the Mavericks Twitter, you've seen little teasers, and you can see sort of the color, the base color of the jersey. In some videos, it looked black, and some videos looked gray, and it is like a gray. And I I like I like the gray, like the the charcoal kind of, you know, gray kind of concept. I like that. But then like, then they're trying this like neon blue thing, and that's been all over their Twitter, you know, teaser videos and this neon blue thing. I don't I don't know where they're getting this neon blue. What are, what are we doing with neon blue? The jersey's different. I know. I was like, why? Can, how, can, how can you respond to that? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about any details about this thing, but um, it's different. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's it's going to be a different feel, different uh, look, and yeah, it's cool. And we'll we'll talk more about it um, when they actually I guess come on, out. Yeah, on Friday's pod and all that stuff. But oh, I, the I fan balls, fan, fan balls Friday. Everyone, will get fan balls Friday on <laughs> the jerseys. Respond to the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I think okay. I'll say this. I think it will look better on the court uh, than uh, like pictures of it. No, you no. said that last year, and I didn't believe you then. I'm not believing you now. All right, today I like the jerseys <laughs> both ways. Last year, I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan of these new ones, but I think they'll look better on the court. All right, so we'll see those sometime this week, and uh, we'll get to talk about them in full then. But uh, today, what we're getting to is we're going to try to fix the Mavericks. <laughs> We're going to talk about all different kinds of changes we think that they can make or just questions that we have about where, you know, we think the change needs to be made. Uh, And so we'll talk all about that. But first, let's get to the Mavericks news. So on practice on Sunday, Luka Doncic missed the practice because of a sore right ankle. Rick Carlisle said, I don't know what his status will be for Monday's practice or the game on Tuesday, which, by the way, the game on Tuesday is against the Wizards. And if they do not win that game, then I am... Wizards won tonight. They beat the Knicks. I'm going on Team Tank. I'm going on Team Tank if they lose to the Wizards. Nah, stop. <laughs> There's no Team Tank. So that's should we should we be concerned about Luca Isaac? Um, because it was a sore back thing, and now it's an ankle, and he's always limping every game, and there's always an injury scare. And our girl cons- Emma from uh, from overseas says she's watched all of Luca's games, and she said it's not a Luca game if there's not an injury scare, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. It does that. feel like every single game he's like holding something or limping or I something. I know. Um, should we be scared about long term health? No. Uh, is there? Should we question whether he'll play on Tuesday night? I don't know. That's a um, 
would it like shock me if he didn't play? No, yeah. it wouldn't shock me. Um, would it surprise me? No, would it? No, it's just if they want to give him a day off, a game off, then they might. He has took some hard hits. It, I mean, he said he has always said when he's ever he's asked about the difference of the NBA and Euroleague, he always mentions the physicality of the NBA, and and just, he's playing up a couple positions now too. Yeah, and and he he's gotten hard, fouled hard. He's you know different things. We talked about him being nicked up a few times. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. They have another practice on or today on Monday, and uh, with game tomorrow, we'll see if he practices on Monday and, and then go from there. We will go from there. Uh, Devin Harris, though, apparently Devin Harris practiced on Sunday. He has been out for uh, eight. Eight. The Mavericks played nine games. So eight of the Mavericks nine games. He only played like six minutes that first game. Um, the Mavericks hope to get Harris through another practice on Monday and then see if he's ready to play on Tuesday against Washington. So there's a chance. This is all from the Dallas Morning News, by the way. Devin Harris. There's a chance that Devin Harris will play on Tuesday, which is exciting because that you know helps the guard guard rotation out, which has been eh, iffy. At this point, uh, any uh, any addition to the lineup would uh, would be great. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then an update on Dirk. Carlisle said, and again, this is from the Dallas Morning News, if he was able to get back out here and go full bore in practice and get into some game action in the month of November, I'd be thrilled. <laughs> That's from Rick Carlisle. So not super hopeful about Dirk coming back in the next few weeks or even this month. Uh, yeah, I mean, we could be looking at... Um, it's funny how... It, how It's not funny because we wish Dirk was on the court, but we, we were one of the first people when it uh, sent at, at media day, when we recapped our media day and saying, guys, we don't think... When they're like... People, some people yeah. are like, oh, they're hoping for opening night. I'm, we're like, no, I'm telling you, I saw Dirk walk today. He's not going to be playing for a while. And uh, <laughs> now I didn't know it was going to be this long, but I just knew he wasn't going to play opening night. And But, I mean... We want Dirk on the floor, but take your time, dude. Definitely. Whatever, you, whatever you give us this year, we're more than we're more than happy. Yeah, so it doesn't look like he's going to uh, pass LeBron James this year in scoring. So. No, I, I think the main goal. <laughs> I mean, besides like team success, I think the main goal is just passing Wilt. Yeah, I think that's what we want, and have another fun night as he moves to six again. <laughs> another thing that we wanted to touch on fairly briefly. We don't want to go too full into this. Uh-oh. Um, there's a report about a unpleasant or heated exchange. Oh, dear God. That happened. Uh, it was tweeted by two. Carlisle just addressed it today. Two sources. Carlisle, so Carlisle responded to it today. And this is the quote from Carlisle. Um, a bit, the, the report was there was a heated exchange or an unpleasant exchange between a player that was unnamed at the time. Someone else came out and said that it was Wes Matthews. Uh, I think you could have guessed that. Like, I think that would have been everybody's first guess if they would have to take a shot in the dark. And uh, it was with and Donnie Nelson that there was an exchange between them that words, you know, whatever. The specific words weren't mentioned or anything like that. It was honestly just like rampant speculation and just like thrown out there. Carlisle responded to it today. Um, un, he, uh, it was not presented to Carlisle by by reporters. Carlisle, you know, said this himself without any prompting. He said, I want to talk about a report that came out about a, quote, heated conversation between Wes Matthews and my president and general manager, Donnie Nelson, which to me, that just sounds like it's written down for him. He's reading it. (laughs) You know, he says like the full title. Yeah. 
Quote, Wes approached Donnie and talked to him about anything that he could possibly do to help our team win more games. I ended up in that conversation in Donnie's office afterward. It was nothing but positive and constructive. Any notion or implication that it was anything negative or heated is completely false. I just wanted to make sure everybody understood that. Now, to me, he's talking straight to these reporters that they reported this and talked about this. And to me, this is something that I, and I know Isaac, we've talked about this a lot. We tried to avoid so much. <laughs> we tried to avoid things like this, where you are reporting something that you see, but have no context for, Ab- like absolutely no context for, besides the Mavericks just lost a bad game. And you just throw something out there. You see something. You don't understand the relationship between the two people, the two parties. You don't understand. You know. You don't hear the words that are coming out of his mouth. You don't hear what they're saying. And you just report something and then throw it out there and insinuate that it was heated or unpleasant or that it was bad just from your your eyesight. That's not that. In reporting, you have to have two sources. And this is reporting with just your eyes. <laughs> it's, it's only one source. And <laughs> it's a source that has you know, biases and anything like that. You don't have a quote. You don't have anything. Uh, it's just what you think, what you're, you're projecting what you think the conversation is about in your report. And that's just, that's irresponsible journalism to me. It's not even journalism. It's just reporting things. And I, and I, you know, I probably have not said things that I saw in locker rooms because I didn't want to, to do something like this. And, uh, here we are. Oh, there's a, there are so many things that you uh, see in locker room. Isaac, I learned my, Isaac has a story last year. <laughs> I learned my lesson. Man, uh, was it could've... last year? It might have been two years ago. I think it was two years ago. It was two years ago. Wow. It was two wild. years ago. Uh, something happened in a away team locker room, and I didn't know what to do. Like I knew it was going to be a big story, and but it was off the record. And I went and talked to some people. And really the basis of it was well, the advice I got was, hey, like, do you want your reputation to be attached to that? Yeah. Because it's going to be a bigger story if it comes out. And I'm like, uh, not really. And I didn't like, it just, there's so much stuff that happens like that. You just, you know, you just leave it be. It's not, it's not worth it. And when you see, there's a difference between observing and then trying to summarize the observation or trying to uh, really describe the observation of, hey, there's a player talking to Donnie Nelson. Like, I saw Donnie Nelson. I saw Donnie and Michael Finley in the locker room the other night after the game, and they were just having a pleasant conversation right outside the locker room. I'm not, like, I'm not going to say something like that. You know, like, who, who, whatever. Um, that was after, you know, DeAndre talks to the media, a bunch of the players, a bunch of people had already left, and, uh, you know, we talked about on the pod how most of the players had already left the locker room that night, and yep. they just left. It was an ugly loss, and everybody was in a bad mood and all that stuff. And uh, DeAndre was really the only person that talked to the media. And uh, Wes had came in and got his clothes and stuff. And Wes it, it talked to some of his boys in the locker room. Like, there was a couple um, media people. but uh, And Wes, had, I think he talked to Eddie Sefko that night. And um, it was just him and maybe some other uh, dude just chilling at his locker and stuff. But, I mean, that's when we first walked into the locker room. And then I saw Donnie and Michael Finley and all this stuff. Like, I didn't – personally, I'm not going to comment on whether some, you know, somebody wants to do a report on it and stuff like that. I just don't – I don't think it's that big of a deal. And, and the fact I, that no one else it, reported on it, to me, also says that's not a big deal. Like, I – in fact, I I want it. Like I like it. Like I I want that stuff. Like yeah, if I want they're somebody not, if, to, like yeah. Like I don't. That's cool. Like I don't like I don't, I don't care. Like cool. I hope somebody's down there talking about it. this. Is one of the ugliest losses I've seen in three years. It probably is. Like 
And uh, so, like, I yeah, I don't I don't care about that. And the fact that Rick Carlisle has to like comment on it about practice, like, we talking about practice, yeah. Isaac? We talking about practice. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Isaac and I are gonna fix the Mavericks. Full tilt. All right, Isaac. So what can change for the Dallas Mavericks? What are we talking about? What are we what are we looking? Where are the weaknesses? Obviously, defense is a huge weakness. Well, let's just lay out options. Okay. Like not even ones that we're gonna actually go with, but let's just like lay out different paths that they could All right, go. So down. let me let me pose this one to you because it's kind of a path. Um and it's sort of and I want to see if you think there's any validity to this at all. People talked enough, I don't think, about the China hangover. I know, I know we're already nine games in, and I know that, you know, it seems like, well, shouldn't they be over this by now? But they, you know, come back from China and they play, they practice like the next day. <laughs> they play soon. They're playing back to backs. They're, you know, playing all these games. And I think they had, what was it, seven games in like nine days, 10 days or something like that. It's just a lot of days spread in, you know, a small amount of time. And uh, Philadelphia is six and four right now, and they have two of the best talents in in the NBA, and you know, a very good roster, and a very good coach. And so you're wondering, well, maybe they're maybe they're got a little hangover, but not too bad. Last year, Golden State started the Golden State with Kevin Durant started the season four and three, with losses to Houston, which makes sense, and then Memphis and Detroit, <laughs> they lost early in the season. Last year as well, Minnesota started the season two and three with losses to San Antonio, Indiana, and Detroit. Uh, and they also had close games with Utah and OKC. Uh, so that's not as surprising, but the, the Golden State one is a little bit. Do you think there's anything – do you think this China thing is has not been talked about enough, or do you think that it's not valid at all? It's not valid. <laughs> I don't want to like. I just don't but think it is. Like that's just my opinion. Their, we've talked about their effort though, and it's like they don't have energy. Even that New York game, we're like, oh, they don't have any energy. They don't have it. Blah blah blah. And it might be. We might be past the point of of what is it demarcation where it's <laughs> we're able to you know we're able to say that this is still in effect. But I don't know. I just think that the slow start, the fact that they started two and one, we kind of forgot about it, and then they you know lost the next all of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like. They start off two and one, and it was uh, oh, there's no China effect, and now that they've lost, now there is a China effect. That's that's why I don't want to like. If there's games that China affected the most, it would have been those first ones for sure, and that's when they were two and one, and now they've went on the stretch. I don't, I don't want to put, yeah, I don't want to make any excuse with the China thing and the Philly thing. I, I don't, I didn't like Philly's summer. I don't like what they did with their bench and stuff. So well, like, and what I, I, we've already talked about what they're doing. They're starting lineup with Fultz. Yeah, with Fultz and stuff. Wilson Chandler, I don't even think. By the way, this year. the Nets tonight were chanting when Fultz went to the free throw line. They're chanting uh, Jason Tatum. Oh wow! Which is a great self own to the Nets fans. Dang! <laughs> because they could have had Jason Tatum. That's true. Anyway, um, so no so validity. Anyway, yeah, no validity to that. that. We'll move on from that. I just some people to- might. You can like if listener. You if a listener wants to hold on to that to make themselves like feel really better about this bad <laughs> thing, go for it. I don't, I'm not going to buy into that. I think there's other problems. Yeah, we're already we're almost 11 percent through the season already. That's crazy, isn't that? We're 10.9 percent through the season already. All right, um, so let's line out what are the options. So lineup changes. 
I think. Could... Well, let's just say, like, let's, what if they roll into next game and they don't change anything? Is there anything they can do the next game to bring some type of passion, bring some type of energy, something? And we're, I'm talking like, I'm we're talking about every little option. I'm talking about small things. Like, you put Salah Mejri in there for five yeah. to eight minutes and say, go do something crazy. Like, go, go bring some energy. Because if there's one thing Salah does, he brings energy. And like there's been times over the past couple seasons where he's had these crazy stretches and it's just brought energy to the whole team, the whole place and everything. Another thing, and this is just like completely random, Rick Carlisle, get thrown out, bro. Yes. Get double text. Just go off. Pull a pop and go out to mid I'd be so for that right now. Like just go off and get He should have done that against New York. Maybe your team. Yeah. Oh, I completely. I crossed my mind. Like just, I don't know. You see some of these things that coaches do sometimes, like on purpose, or and uh, I don't know. That's those are just two small things of that you could just try something to just energize your team in a game, and it just it takes it takes one time for you to click and for you to rally around something because it does feel like right now that they're on on a bunch of different pages. It takes one thing to unite them and to bring them on the same page, whether it's a coach getting thrown out or something. And those are just two small things if they roll out the same lineup. But we could talk about lineup changes for sure. Who do we think is on the same page? Because it seems like there's pockets of players that are on the same page together. Like it feels like Dwight and Maxi have this thing where they they're on the same page. They bring energy. They bring tough. You know, they bring toughness and defense. And and JJ and Dwight. JJ and Dwight seem to have something like that. Really, um, the bench unit. I think Dennis and Dorian. I think when they play together, I think they play more. You know, impassioned. I feel like they play better when they're both on the court. They have that. You know, the Smith way thing. Um, their buddies, yeah. and I, I do think that just from watching games, um, that they play better when they're together. Um, anyone else? It's kind of hard. I mean, people's gonna laugh at this because of the play that happened the other day, but like Luca and DJ have a chemistry in the pick and roll. I was that, just thinking about how to present that. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, like they have that pick and roll um, chemistry to where how many times we've we seen Luca just dump it down to him or throw a little lob or something like that to where. They 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 clearly have some type of connection on that pick and roll. Now y'all can draw your own conclusion about the other crap, but yeah, which I don't even think's valid. Were you talking about the rebound, the the thing where DeAndre took the rebound over Luca? I don't think that you know. You see my uh, tweeted today? I was like, man, there's there's like a everybody's with master's degrees in body language right now. And, <laughs> The amount of I'll, the amount of DMs and like Twitter things that we've had tweeted to us over the past like forty eight hours of people drawing some insane conclusions. Honestly, when he says insane, he means insane. Insane. Some <laughs> things that uh, people are going so far to draw between they want to believe that these vets don't like Luca and all this stuff. I'm telling you, I would not believe any of this freeze out <laughs> crap until a player comes out and it like it. You're going to have to give me more than you trying to clip some body language crap off of the, you know, what, because somebody, because DeAndre Jordan passes it to Dennis on after a rebound to go up the court instead of not always looking for loot. Like, come on, guys. Y'all got to, like, come at me with better, better stuff than that. Like, completely agree. Um, so those, those type of lineups, I feel like, or those pairings, I think, keep them on the court together, you know? Yeah. The other thing that I, I would like to see, and I don't know if this would help necessarily energy, but I feel like it would just help the team um, and help this Dennis and Luca pairing thing today. 
stagger Luca and Dennis a little more. I feel like Rick staggers Luca and throwing him in the second unit. Dennis has only played 26 minutes without Luca on the floor this year so far. And Luca has played wow. almost 100 minutes without Dennis on the floor so far. Just to get Dennis going, because that, that's, a, that's a crucial part of this team. If this team is going to succeed, Dennis has to get going. And I think he, he might have to do some ISOs. It might not be pretty offense for, to get Dennis going, but it might take you know some, an isolation <laughs> game for him to just play some without Luka and, uh, and get going. He probably just doesn't want him playing with J.J. Barea. And, also true. So, so you stagger and, and you, take, you take Dennis out first. So you take Dennis out the first time out or something, and you put J.J. in, you stagger. Do you want to well, know what the best? Then you're trying do, to stagger him with Luca and J.J. Oh, I didn't say it was, wasn't complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know what the best lineup on the Mavericks is right now? What is it? Give it to me. Playing, playing 10 minutes or more, and there's only been like seven or eight lineups that have played 10 minutes or more. Dennis, Brunson, Wes, Dwight, and Maxi. I'll get out of here. They have 157 offensive rating. Wow. That's wild. Brunson only played three minutes the other night. It's weird. I know. When, De- when Devin comes back, do you think Brunson's not going to see the court at all? Correct. <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, now, okay, so the obvious starting lineup change is Dorian Finney-Smith over Wesley Matthews. Like yeah, that let, is. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll we'll talk about the the obvious change. All right. So, like guys, like Isaac said, the obvious change is to bring in Dorian over Wes Matthews. What are the positives and negatives? Let's do our little list. Let's draw a little line down our little sheet of paper and write pros and cons. What do, what do we think about this move? Because everyone's well, talking about it, and everyone's suggesting it. Well, I think it would just it would one. Something has to change right now. Like I, there I am. Like you has to change. Locked on uh, the locked on Instagram account pulled this exact quote from me from the last pod <laughs> and said great. of me saying something has to change right now with the Mavericks. Ball they have three days and something has to change. And that's your that's your move that you make. That's not like crazy to where you're trading away something that's not like super drastic. But you're just trying to switch up some things. You're just trying to shuffle the pieces around. And I don't think it's a, like just completely shuffling, but right now I think Dorian's the better defender. Yeah. And I think he's just a better complementary piece to what um to <laughs> this is a bigger thing to to the other pieces. Now, this is something I want to hit towards the end of the pod because we're talking about different options, things they change. Is the system the system is my biggest thing? This is what I've been preaching the past like three or four days. It's not about freezing out. It's not about vets. Not like a Luca. It's not all about this stuff. I think it's the system thing. And I tweeted out this full quote from Rick Carlisle about how there, how our offense now is built around four ball handlers at the same time and all this different stuff. If you keep that same system. Then Wes is the better fit over Dorian. But the thing is, I what Nick and I have said on the pod, I don't think it should be that system. It should be a system centered around your best player in Luka Doncic. And in that scenario, Dorian Finney-Smith would slide into that P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza type of role in which I think he would be good in and better fit. And I think the offense would run at a much better pace and fluidity and all this different stuff. So... I think he's shooting the ball well. I mean, hats off to him. Somebody called us out on Twitter today, and I said, hey, you are totally right. This guy tweeted us and said, you didn't give Dorian Finney-Smith enough yeah. praise after the Knicks game. And I said, bro, you're right. We shouldn't. We should have. Because he had an insane game. He had 19 points off the bench, seven boards, all this different stuff. And it was like, 
It was his best game of the season, probably. Probably I mean, the I best think. game of his life in the NBA. Yeah. And, I mean, incredible game from him, and it just fuels the fire. When he has games like that, it fuels this fire that he should start over uh, over Finney Smith. So, yeah, and, the, all, and the then, ele- like, all the elements went, you know, went in favor of this move. You know, even with the, the report we talked about with West being, you know, like heated and whatever, and, and, then and Dorian then he, having a great game. And, well, then, but... Uh, but then you look at Wes and his like what he's trying to do so far this year and like his offense stuff whatever. Yeah. Put him in that second unit. Like let him try to. I think he. I think you've already seen Rick kind of experimenting a little bit with it when he's he left Wes all in the lineups with, with JJ Brand stuff. Like put Wes in that second unit. Try to try to pitch to him this idea of like, hey, be our six man. If you you want to six these, uh, shoot these threes or even try to get into the paint some. What what can we all agree that we would be a little bit less agitated if he's uh, driving into the paint and shooting floaters with the second unit? Oh yeah, and I'm even that video breakdown that I did on my YouTube channel. The the times when he drives into the paint or the times when he's you know posting up somebody, it's a backup. <laughs> you know, it's like your the two plays that I I brought out were were Jabari Parker and uh, Gorgie Jang. It's like if you're driving on those guys and you're driving on guys like that, backup bigs that are not super great at defense and are backups for a reason, then go ahead, go do that. And if he can do that against second units and there's, and there's somebody to replace him, that's the thing. If there wasn't anyone to replace him, we wouldn't probably be talking about this as much like last year. We, yeah. You know, we just didn't have anybody to replace or the year before we were like Justin Anderson. I mean, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so that's the, that's the biggest type of, of move that everyone is talking about right now. I mean, we're just being real. That Dennis is not getting benched, and I don't think he should. No matter how we want to uh, talk about how JJ fits better, um, maybe with the with the starters and all this different stuff, Dennis is going to stay there. That's yeah. that's yeah. that's staying. I want to pitch to you something that I've I've downplayed, but I've thought about it more over the past twenty four hours. Is the idea of Maxi over DeAndre? You have pitched this to me a little bit. So, okay, here's my here's my thinking behind it. With Wes and DeAndre, did we give up anything for Wes or DeAndre? You gave up cap space, lots of okay, it. Okay, but but no trade <laughs> assets, nothing like that. Nope. Are they are we invested into them long term? No. Are they young? In the world standards, yes. According to my grandma, yes. She would call them she'd call them babies. Oh, you're baby. To but NBA standards. But no. They're not they are they're not, not young. They're so over here's, the proverbial hill. Here's my thing. We might not be at this exact point right now with DeAndre. But at some point, if you think that you, you we play better with Maxi Kleber at at the center spot. And, or Dwight Powell, whatever you say, but we're just going to use Maxi for now. And you want this, you want a stretch five in there, but it can also defend the rim too. At some point, you can't just view it as, oh, well, this is our prime, you know, free agent signing, whatever. You burn your bridge and say, okay, you didn't, you didn't give up anything for him. You can, if, like, if you reach that point and he's he's going to be a free agent, it's not like you're going to invest in him or you plan on investing a hundred million into him or stuff like that. It's easier to it's easier to make that type of move if you're not invested or you didn't give a ton a ton of to to get him, and that's that's my whole thing. It really goes into the West thing too. I'm saying you know some people's like, well, what if you make West you know mad or like all this stuff? What if like he's he he expires at the end of the year? He like it's not 
if that is one of your weak spots, and I'm not saying DeAndre Jordan's a complete weak spot, but I'm saying if if there's a scenario in which you think Maxi would help this team win more at that center spot, it's not like you're sitting there, you know, like, man, that's just a lot to swallow because we gave up so much for DeAndre, or we we're invested into him. Like, like the Dennis thing, you're invested in him. He's a young cornerstone piece that you're hoping will fit alongside Luca for the next decade. And he's under contract. Yes, you you have invested in him. You spent a whole season losing for him, basically. Yeah. So, like, you have a lot into that. So, benching him would be huge. Like, you couldn't do that. That's just not going to happen. But with DeAndre, it's a little different. And I'm not saying you should do that right now. Don't, like, somebody's going to pull a clip out of that. That's the only thing that scares me about those lockdown clips. They're going to pull <laughs> some random thing out of context. Um, I'm not saying do that at all. But I'm saying if you reach a point into the season, you can't be afraid of, like, ruffling his feathers or anything because he's going to be expiring. He's past their, you know, all this different stuff. He's past his prime, what it looks like. And so you well, see what I'm saying? Even you see what I'm going 32. With? Did I even explain that right? I feel like I didn't even, like... No, you did. I think the only way that that would ever happen is if you're just trying to light a fire under under DeAndre. Like, hey, but why would why would you have to be focused on DeAndre? Why would it have to be a, a fire under DeAndre? Why should why should they care that much that you would sacrifice they, wins for that? Because they have ninety percent of the season left to go, and you still need to get, yeah. and you're still expecting to get a lot out of him. And if you don't feel like you're getting as much as you you should out of him, especially defensively, I don't think they are getting as much as they expected then you're like all right well you're not going to do that you're going to steal rebounds from our rookie you're going to you know, you do these things like we're going to sit you we're going to bench you we're not going to tolerate that here you know you think you come in and be this you know former all-star former all-nba you know this is a different place this is a new time it's a new coach you know that that's the thing that I, that's the only reason i think they would do it i don't know i don't think maxi is going to be better than deandre at this point even he would just give it a different look. I'm not saying, okay, once again, I'm not saying it should happen right now. I'm saying it, if it reached a point into the season and it's like December, January, and you're like, man, we're we're not in the playoff hunt right now and this is ain't happening, I would not be afraid to bench him because you don't want to upset his potential long-term fit in Dallas. What That's I would, my, what I would rather do instead of putting him in the starting lineup, you start DeAndre, and if they get down to – if they start with one of these like 7-0, you know, you know, they're not scoring and the other team scores like 10 points on him real quick, then you put Max, then you put Maxie in. Then you, put, you know, change and put Dorian Finney-Smith in. Then you, then yeah. you like make these changes quick because you got to insert that energy in. You know, as soon as you see it, as soon as you diagnose that something is off with this team, and the you know the first couple of games they've started really really bad. Um, then you just you make those moves like that. Yeah, yeah, I That's can see I that think. for sure. A, a shorter leash or a shorter minutes on the starters, and you pull them quicker if you start getting into these you know holes early on. Let's. I know we're we're almost out of we're running out of time. But oh no, I got two. I got two more big talking points. Oh my gosh. Okay, is Lucas one touch, of them? Is, is, is Lucas to touches to. one of them. A little bit, yes. Okay, I want to hit Lucas touches real quick. Um, okay, so this has well, been brought I, up. I, well, I just want to say this before, real quick. The obvious big pass. I, like, I that just they waved could... his hands at me like I was like landing a plane. <laughs> no, no. Well, before we just dive into the last topic, real quick. The obvious big path is to make a big trade. 
I mean, that's well, the big yeah, path. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, we're like skipping over that. But like if you gauge the market for one of the starters of like a Wes, uh, DeAndre after December, you know, when you could trade him, uh, even like a Harrison Barnes, if they gauge that market and say, you know what, we got to make something drastic. We really got to shape up. It's a personnel issue and it's not a like we just don't think we'll jail stuff like that. That's the obvious big path. But I just wanted to mention that instead of just glossing over it. Yeah. Keep on going. With Luca's touches, so people have said, oh, Luca doesn't get the ball for stretches of time. And and I think that's true. I think that there are stretches of time where Luca doesn't touch the ball or doesn't get a quality touch and a quality. He doesn't, you know, get a shot off. You know, we've talked about different stretches and even mentioned, you know, Luca got four, you know, four shots in the first half you know, and things like that. Uh, but Bobby Corolla of, of your coworker at Mavs.com tweeted this out the other night and I thought it, I thought it was kind of important. He said, Luka Doncic ranks 12th in the NBA in front court touches per game. That's more than LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, DeRozan, Beal, and all but 11 other players in the NBA. So he's getting touches. Not Now, not all touches are created equal. So I don't think the answer is just to get Luka the ball more often. <laughs> You know, I think that it's to get Luca the ball with, you know, with an opportunity for him to make a play and front court touches is when he's not, he's not bringing the ball up, obviously. So Dennis gets a ton of backcourt touches because he brings the ball up a lot. But, um, with Lucas touches, I don't know. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a complete answer of like, just give the ball to Luca more, but it it has (coughs) to be in certain moments and it has to be. I think it has to be more consistently because he gets these stretches of like he shoots the ball six times in the span of five minutes, you know, or he he makes a whole bunch of plays and then he doesn't touch the ball for a long time. I think it's you have to stretch those plays out and allow him to help other people do things as well. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean he has to shoot every time. No, the general statement of should Luca get the ball more? Yes, he should. Should he get the ball as much as what a lot of fans are wanting? Like every possession? Uh, no. Like not everybody, you know, no. But should he get the ball more? I think he should. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing. I looked up. I wanted to see a, a system. I wanted to see a system that uh, that I want. I would love for the Mavericks to reflect. And we have threw out the James Harden, Chris Paul thing. Um, or Nick did. I threw out the LeBron, Kyrie type thing. But I really, I, I looked up, you know what I looked up? I looked at all-time usage leaders because I wanted to see who, uh, just where some of these usage rate, you know, usage percentages look like. First off, number one all-time usage was Russell Westbrook two years ago. 41% usage rate. That's insanity. Um, do you know Giannis right now is on, is six all-time on pace? He's at 36. For his career or for this season? For, for this season. Yeah, that's wild. Okay, but here's the one I want to stick on. James Harden last year was at 36% usage rate, okay? That's a ton. But here's the thing. That the just offense, means he's involved in the play, by the way. That just means that he's taking yes. a shot or, or throwing a pass, getting an assist, you know, things like that. And that's what I want Luka to be. The system should be built around Luka Doncic, your best player. And when you look at the different pieces that, that Houston had last year in their 65-win team, I think it's what they had or whatever, where does that, how does that reflect? Could Dallas reflect that Houston team from last year? And that's what I want it to look like. Could Dennis Smith Jr. play a similar role to what Chris Paul played last year off of James Harden? That, finding that combination. But outside of that, could DeAndre Jordan be your Clint Capella? Yeah, theoretically, same, same t- simple type of roles. Then you look down to who is your Trevor Reza and PJ Tucker? That's what I'm saying. I think Dorian Finney-Smith fits that type of role more than Wes. Wes is trying to be more than that role right now. 
And then you look at Harrison Barnes and like PJ Tucker. Obviously, this is what we've been talking about is Harrison fitting into this new system and all this different type of stuff. Now listen, last year on this 2017-18 Houston Rockets team, James Harden was their offensive possessions. He had the ball. He was involved in 23%. He was the highest on the team at 23% of the time. He was of their possessions. It was James Harden, okay? Eric Gordon was second, and this had a lot to do with Chris Paul uh, being hurt and stuff, but Eric Gordon was second at 13% of those possessions, okay? That's a 10% difference between James Harden and the second person on their team. 10 percentage points, yeah. 10 percentage points. Right now, Luka Doncic is at 18%. He leads the team as far as percentages of possessions on the offense side. Wesley Matthews is at 14.7. Okay? That's just 4%. That's why I'm saying I think it should be a bigger gap compared to just that 4%. Instead of having these four ball handlers, this, you know, cut, go, all this stuff, and any four people can drive, any four people can run the play, and all this different stuff, I think it should be, like we said, it sounds crazy, but nine games in, I think it should already be centered around, around Luka Doncic. And Forming that type of system, can you reflect what Houston did last year? James Harden, Chris Paul, the P.J. Tucker, you know, Ariza-type roles, the Clint Capella. Do you have some type of – do you have a roster? And I'll ask you this. Do you have a roster that could somewhat reflect that? <laughs> it would be a great value brand version of that, but yeah. But like that type of system, instead of is, a... The thing is that Carlisle, the Carlisle's doing the exact opposite thing that that team did last year. That team embraced isolation, and they had James Harden isoing out all the time because he's probably the best iso player in the league. They just, Luka's not that, you know? He's he's not... He, no, I'm not... Yeah, he's not on the elite level of James Harden as far as isoing out. That's why that's, but, that's why that system worked is because James Harden was, was so elite at that and because everybody had to respect it. But you're getting the ball into James Harden's hand, your best player's hand, and saying, create something. He he also averaged over eight assists a game. Luka can do that. Like, you run those high pick and rolls. You get people off. Yeah, they ran more isolation. You might not have to run the same isolation, but you could run these pick and rolls to where you're allowing Luka. You're giving getting Luka the ball, letting him get more touches and saying, not, not just shoot the ball more, but letting him make those decisions. And, you know, in that perfect world, you hope that, Dennis Smith Jr. could, you know, look how Chris Paul played off that James Harden type of role and saying, how could I do those same type of things? And that, my thing is, I think we should be reflecting what Houston did last year compared to us trying to do what Golden State is doing, basically, of saying, thinking that we have four players at all times that can do all these different things. Like Golden State says, hey, we got Draymond Clegg, Steph, and KD. We can just keep, you know, just pass and go. We can all drive. We can all shoot. We can all do all this stuff instead of, hey, we got to focus our system around Luka and then see how it goes from there. That's just my, my take on it. I think, and once again, I think this is more of a system-based thing. I don't think it's a vet freezing out Luka. I don't think it's a, you know, whatever it is. I think it's more of a system-based thing. That's They just got to figure out how they can shift their system around their personnel right now. Right. Unless you change your personnel. Unless you do that. All right, give me your last thing real quick. No, that's it. Okay. 
All right. I was going to say the trade thing. I had more stuff with trade stuff, but you know, we'll get past that. Let us know what you think. What, what Which of these things <laughs> that we talked about today do you think is the thing that needs to change the most? Tweet us at Nick Van Exit, at Isaac L. Harris, at Luke, uh, I almost said Luke, Luke Adon Mavericks, at Lockdown Mavericks. Um, so is let it, us know what you guys think. You got different options. Should you make a trade and switch up the personnel? Yeah. Should you just switch up the starting lineup and keep the same system, but switch up the starting lineup and just make a, you know, reshuffle the cards? Change the rotations. Yes. Or should you change the system entirely and let Luca take the reins and Hmm. put everybody else kind of around him as the centerpiece? I think those are the three main options. Now you figure out which one of those big three should it happen. Could you make your change that you're talking about happen just simply by Luca bringing the ball up on offense? No, I think it's more than that. I think it's you run a a lot of yes that, but there's just too many I in my opinion, there's too many plays in which Luca is standing on the, the perimeter or in the corner while other things are happening. Like when these he, these plays where DeAndre Jordan sets a down screen for for Wes Matthews, he comes around the screen and up to the top of the key and he has either a chance to do a, a, a turnaround three or a drive into the paint. They do that probably 5 times a game and that just you know, that that you do that once a game to catch people off guard. <laughs> You know, that, that yeah. shouldn't be something that you rely on and lean on, in my opinion. And I'm not, you know, a great basketball mind by any means, but that's that those are the type of plays I think they can remove to get Dennis the ball or to get West no, to get Luca the ball Luke. more. Just Dennis keep on can going get down the ball more too. I guess one of them will get the ball more. <laughs> yeah, so and, I think it's it's one of those three options that you have to do you switch up the system entirely and fo- make it more Luca focused? Do you change your personnel and say, Hey, we're gonna make a big trade and really shake it up? Or do you make a change in the starting lineup rotations to where you reshuffle the cards? Personnel change, reshuffle the cards, Luka-centered offense. One of those three, in my opinion, needs to happen. There you go, guys. Let us know which of these things you think will help the Mavericks the most, which thing that you think they need to do. And, uh, man, we had an awesome week last week, our biggest week we've ever had as far as downloads and numbers, and we really appreciate you, the Raccoon Squad. The Raccoon Squad. You guys are awesome. Uh, we dropped two pods over the weekend after a big loss. So uh, that's <laughs> we're all. We're insane. <laughs> we're insane. Hopefully a better week ahead. So make sure you read my weekly piece on Mavs.com. It oh, comes yeah. out every Monday. Definitely do that. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.